Pastor Chris's podcast. Well, today is the Sunday of Pentecost, the day that we remember the birth of the church. I love the video that, that our children's minister, Joanna, shared today that told the story of how the church came to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The church was sent out in power to complete Christ's mission, to tell people about Him everywhere, and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are on a mission to do here at Pleasant Grove. And we know we don't do it alone. We do it with your help. We do it with the help of churches all over the globe. I have the privilege of, through Facebook, of having friends on my list from all different countries around the world. I, I got an email from someone from, from Kenya this week and talked to some missionaries that are going to Sierra Leone very soon. And it's a wonderful thing to know that we are a global church that is doing Christ's mission, empowered by that same Holy Spirit that was poured out. And so as we think about that, um, we think about the church and, and what it means. And that's what I've been talking about for the past few Sundays and want to continue to talk about that today. Now, I felt like an outsider most all of my life. Now, I've never had any resentment about that. It's just been a part of who I was in my family. And it was just a reality of my family when I was a kid. My parents were both born in Georgia, uh, but my mom moved to Ohio. And then eventually my mom and my dad met in Maryland and they got married. And so I began my life as an outsider in Maryland, a child born to two outsiders from Georgia. And eventually... We moved away from Maryland back to Georgia, and I think for my father, it was, a, it was a nice homecoming. He was ready to get back to his hometown, but for me, uh, I just felt even more like an outsider. You see, in Maryland, the kids at school had always sort of teased me because I had a southern accent I had picked up from my parents, and then when we moved to Georgia, everybody told me I talked like a Yankee, so I couldn't fit in anywhere, and of course, the kids that were going to school there in Macon, Georgia, had such thick southern accents, a lot of times I couldn't even understand what in the world they were saying. So, um, in all, I attended five different elementary schools. Five different elementary schools. And each time, it just reinforced the fact that I was an outsider. I was the new kid in the school on the outside of a circle of friends. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about that. It, it didn't really bother me. I didn't know any different, so I just thought that's the way it was. And it was just the way it was, and, and I didn't know any better, so I didn't resent it. But then after high school, I graduated. I moved to Marietta to attend college, and there I was in Metro Atlanta, the big city, which is far different from Macon, Georgia, down in middle Georgia. And again, I felt like an outsider among people who had lived in the metro Atlanta area their whole life, and they would talk about the Big Chicken and Peachtree City and all of these different areas. And, and I, I didn't, you know, they just assumed everybody knew where these things were. I didn't know where it was. I, I was new to the area. But that was okay because I knew how, at that point, to live as an outsider and to be a stranger in a strange land. After college, I went to work for a textile mill in Griffin, Georgia, which is a small town, and it was a small mill, and everybody there, I knew everyone, and probably known them most of their lives, and they knew about the textile industry, and I was just uh, the new college kid, the outsider who came in from the outside, who thought he was smarter than everyone else. 
Now, that was their opinion of me at the time. I didn't feel like I was smarter than anybody. I mean, I had learned a lot of things from books while I was in college, but I didn't know a thing about working in a textile mill, and I had great respect for all of these people and wanted to learn and soak up as much as I could from them. I deeply respected them, but, but that's the way people saw me. He was the outsider that nobody knew that came in, and there he was. And then... God called me into the ministry as a United Methodist minister. And guess what? As a United Methodist minister, they move you around from church to church to church. So that's been my life ever since that began 20 years ago. So altogether, I have lived in 12 different homes, many different towns. I've attended 10 different churches throughout my life. So this is the 10th one. And I really enjoy it here at Pleasant Grove. Now, the more I have matured in my Christian faith, the more I see the benefit of my life thus far as an outsider. Because one of the great truths in Jesus is that Jesus came to call Christians to be outsiders in this world. I want to read to you from John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. Just these two verses where Jesus shared that we would be outsiders. He said, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Now, as we think about the purpose of the church... We have to remember that Christians are a called out people. The Greek word for church that's used in the New Testament is ecclesia, which literally means the called out people. The church is not a building. The church is a group of people who have been called out of something old into something new. We've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of shame into something noble. We've been called out of the world into the kingdom of God. Now perhaps it has been easier for me in some ways than most to accept that Christians are outsiders in this world because I have never felt fully at home in this world. My faith in Christ, though, has assured me that that feeling is okay because this world is not my home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly are waiting for Him to return as our Savior. You see, being a Christian isn't a sentence to be an outsider forever. It only means being an outsider in this world. But it also means being an insider in the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. But many Christians struggle with being an outsider in this world. There are too many things that we like about this world that we want to hang on to. When I was... Uh, one of those kids growing up and going to school in Macon, Georgia. I remember Hank Williams Jr. came out with a song, said, if, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I just assume stay home. You ever heard that? You remember that song? It was a catchy little tune. 
But how about you? If heaven ain't a lot like the place you call home right now, would you still want to go? Are you more part of this world or part of God's kingdom? Does that need to change for you? These are critical questions for us to consider. Remember all the things of this world will soon melt away, but the kingdom of God will stand forever. Now it's important to always keep in mind that Christians are not just called out of, but we are also called into. We are called out of the world, but we are called into God's kingdom. And this reveals one of the essential purposes of church. The church is the place Christians gather into a community. As we leave behind the world, we come into the kingdom of God, and it's a community. It's a community of faith, God's kingdom on earth. Now, right now, it's just for it's just an outpost of the kingdom. You see, it hasn't taken over everything, but one day the kingdom of God will spread and will become everywhere. It will completely cover the earth. This is what we pray for every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray. And one day it will be. But right now, the kingdom is just an outpost. And we have to have some place to gather where we all are part of the same kingdom. We're all part of the the inside group. Now, no one can make it in this world completely alone. We're not made that way. We, We don't... We aren't designed to be alone. It doesn't matter how much of a loner or an introvert you are, you cannot live completely in complete isolation from other people forever. Everyone, and I mean everyone, needs to be part of a group of people. Christians do not live out our faith alone. We need each other. And Jesus, the Son of God, called together a group of 12 people. Now, Don't you think Jesus, who was God in the flesh, who was imbued with everlasting and all every power that was imaginable and needed, all wisdom, all love, He had everything. He was omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipotent. Don't you think uh, Jesus Christ could have saved the world all by Himself? He didn't need us for anything. And yet he, He... Brought, called together and chose broken men to be together because being together is essential to the Christian life. Part of the purpose of church is for us to be together. Because if we are called out of the world and we don't gather together, then we're just alone. And being alone is a death sentence to your spiritual life. I want everyone listening to hear this. If you're trying to live as a Christian all alone, all by yourself, without a group of Christians, you will die spiritually. Let me say that again. If you are trying to live as a Christian all alone, all by yourself, without a group of other Christians, you will die spiritually. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Gathering as a church doesn't have to look like it has traditionally looked in America for the last couple centuries. Obviously, we've been learning a new way to do church through online worship for the last, for over two months, really. Church could also be a group of men gathering for lunch at gondoliers for encouragement and accountability and cooperation in the mission of the church. Church could also be gathering in your living room or outdoors at a campground. It could happen in a lot of different ways. But it's not just gathering. It's not the same as getting together with your family and your friends for a cookout. We gather as a church for some specific reasons. What are they? Now, here are some essential reasons that I believe we must gather. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying... Uh, I, I, I'm praying about this, and I'm really thinking about this, and I've been studying this, and, and I don't want to say that I've got this all worked out and formulated and solidified in my mind. So part of this is just me thinking out loud about what it really means, what is really essential about us gathering as a church. But here's what I think are some of the essential reasons, and, and perhaps you and me together can help really... Um, organize these together. But what I, when I think about the church and us gathering together, here's what I think. Number one is worship. Now obviously we can worship privately. You can worship while you're driving down the road in your car. You do that individually. We can also worship in, online as we are doing today. And some people may prefer to worship online as we are doing today. I mean, you don't have to worry about what, what you're wearing or what, how you smell. You can just... Worship the Lord right there in your living room or in your bed if you don't even want to get out of bed. That's fine. But for others, being together in one room and worshiping to God together enhances the worship experience. And we feel God, God's presence more compellingly when we gather together in a group. I believe that there is something essential to that. Number two... We gather together as a church for learning and growing. Now, there's a certain amount of learning and growing that can be accomplished online. We are actually discovering that we might actually be more effective in some ways when we teach online. The jury's still out on that. Do we need to gather together in order to learn? Now, here's something I had thought about when I, when I was thinking of that. If online learning is the only thing the church needs, if it is as effective as on-site learning, then why have we not abolished public school systems and gone completely to online teaching for elementary and middle school and high school and even college? You know, colleges have been offering online options for education for quite a number of years, but they have not flipped completely to that. And I don't think they ever really will because most students and most teachers still believe that being physically present together in a classroom is essential for proper education. Do you want to go have surgery from a surgeon who only went to online medical school? <laughs> I don't.
And so I believe that what the church may be learning through all of this is that a combination of online learning and on-site learning may be the best way to be most effective to learn and to grow as Christians. And I believe that somehow online studying and learning is essential to the church. And third, there are the sacraments. Holy communion and holy baptism. You know, Jesus commanded the church to perform two sacred ceremonies. Baptism and holy communion. And these can only be celebrated when a community of Christian believers are gathered together in person. We never read in the Scripture of a disciple celebrating the Lord's Supper completely by themselves. There was always at least two or three people that were gathered as they did that. And the same for baptism. There's something sacred that happens when we are gathered together in person and we celebrate these sacred ceremonies together. Next, there is the cooperation that we find as we gather together for the sake of the mission. Together, we as a church are a team. And Christians are more effective when we work together. We can do more as a group than we can do individually. You know, I'm good at some things, but I'm not good at everything. And you are better at some things than I am. And when we get together, I add the things that I'm good at to the things that you're good at, to the things that other people are good at, and everyone else in the group, and it all adds up. And guess what? It's more than just good things then. It becomes great things when it's all put together. You have talents that I don't have. You have time that I don't have. You have a perspective that I don't have. And you have resources, and we put them all together for the sake of Christ's mission, and we can accomplish greater things than we could ever accomplish alone. So it, somehow, when we gather together as a church, it fosters cooperation for the sake of the mission. And finally, there's fellowship. And this is huge. This is really, really huge. Now, Sometimes fellowship doesn't get the respect that it's due. And some cynics may say that churches that focus on fellowship are just social clubs. Well, I just want to throw that idea out the window, okay? Because fellowship is essential. People who don't meet together regularly in person for fellowship grow apart. It's just a fact. And if the church is going to work together as a team through thick and thin, going through trials and overcoming them together, then we have to know each other. We have to trust each other. We have to long for that presence of each other. That is the only way to build that kind of relationship. We have to be one as a family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just don't see how church can go to the depths of relationship building and working together on our great mission and being a community of faith that Jesus calls us to be if we don't get together regularly, in person, all in the same space. We can manage it for a time, and that's what we've been doing as we've not been gathering together for fellowship. We've been managing it, and, and that's fine. It works in the short term. But over the long term, um, you need to know that your brothers and sisters in the church have your back 
And if you haven't seen their face for a year, you just don't know that. So over the long term, we have to be together to be one in Christ. To do the things that the church is called out of the world and into the kingdom to do. And fellowship seems like a, it seems like a little thing. Just sitting down and chit-chatting and having small talk and sharing a cup of coffee and doing all of these seems like a, a small thing. But that is essential. It's part of being the church. Now everyone who is listening to this, I want you to seriously contemplate how you are called to be part of the church. Over the next month, we will slowly begin to resume on-site gatherings at Pleasant Grove. Um, we're going to do that slowly. We're going to do that safely. And if we, have to, if we have to scale it back, we will. But I want you to consider, is God calling you to be here? Or, you know, because of the wonder of the Internet, we, we, you know, many of you that are worshiping with us right now, you may be so far away that you can't be here in physically. I mean, maybe if you're in South Carolina, is there a church that you need to be at there in South Carolina or North Carolina or wherever it is that you are if you don't live close enough to be here? You need to be somewhere. Now, understand that that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a church worship service. You could worship with us online and then have a small group that you meet with on Monday mornings for coffee and have that group church experience. And that's fine. We would love to have you to continue to worship with us. Also understand that we need to be very safe here at Pleasant Grove. And you don't have to feel like you've got to rush out and come and be in this building next Sunday, okay? As a matter of fact, we have some restrictions. You, you can't be here in this building if you are over 65 or if you have a medical problem or if you're sick. I'm not trying to scare you into thinking that you've got to be here right now. Over the short term, we are fine. But over the long term, we have to figure out how to be together. And we've got time to do that. So please don't uh, do anything unsafe. And in phase one, we're going to be very careful about how we do that. But is God, is God calling you to be gathered with a church? And how could you do that? And how could you do that safely? Jesus came to call you out of darkness. To call you out of darkness into light. To call you out of shame into a noble purpose. And he came to call you out of a broken world that's full of sin into God's glorious kingdom of eternal life. The church is the organization that he ordained for that purpose. The Lord calls us. He calls us. Do you hear him calling you today? What do you hear the Lord calling you out of? What do you hear the Lord calling you into? I hope that you will hear his voice. I hope that you will hear it clearly. And I hope that you'll have the courage to answer.
Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. When he calls me out of this world, when he calls me out of this world, when he calls me out of this world, I'll go with him, with him all the way. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Go with him, with him.